arise from the thought that you're the thinker. If you get to the first one that has claimed all the other ones, that's the immunity. See, the idea of being a thinker is a thought. You may not be thinking seemingly, having it now because it's turned into like a belief. It's an assumption that's been, it's unexamined. So, every thought is preceded by this other thought that you don't see that I'm the thinker or these thoughts are about me. Isn't that the feeling? When the thoughts are happening, we're holding them. I see two different ways. I'm the thinker of these and they're about me. There can be a combination of both. I can think I'm the thinker of them and they're about me. Or I'm just, one time it's I'm the thinker of them and the other times it's they're about me. Yeah? So, the identification is with that first thought. Let's not say it's a first thought, but it's a thought that precedes the other thoughts. Yeah? So, whence, if that is identified with, if that thought it takes, the, it takes the role of being you, then you will not have as a thought immunity to thought. <laughs> yeah? well, how is a thought going to get immune to thought? Yeah, it's from the same herd. Yeah. So the immunity is, is when consciousness wakes up to the fact that it's not the thinker, it's witnessing the thoughts. It's like an observer. Not an observer. Observer isn't a good word for it. But it's a witnessing of it, in a sense. And so, if that happens, you will see that you will see the first thought, in a sense. You'll see the thought that's not, doesn't seem to be like a thought, because it's laid in place, almost. But you'll see it. Just like you see the thoughts about yourself in the day now, you'll see the head have a thought yeah, that I'm a thinker, yeah. and it and it's and these thoughts are about me. You'll see it, and if you can see it, it can't be you, obviously. Yeah. So then you get a hint that this is a mental process. That in the mental process, it, it makes up a sense of being the one who has the mental process. The mental process, in the mental process, a product is made, which is I'm the one who's having the mental process. And so there's an ownership or a claiming, and this is its movement with everything. Yeah? Now you see the body as my body. You see problems as your problems or their problems. You see this and this. Everything now gets confusing because there's been a claiming that distorts everything that's happening. Yeah? Because now everything is, that's happening is seen as it's happening to you or, or from you. And that's not true. Life is not issuing forth from you. Life is happening through. Yeah? Through. It's not happening from here. Yeah? <laughs> it's happening through. So... The immunity to thought, to me, is you have an immunity to the thought that you're the thinker. You've entertained that. Maybe that's not true. And what happens is, this entertaining, that may not be true, loosens the bondage to self. The daily bondage to the thoughts that you think you're having or they're about you. It loosens up that bondage because this is where the loosening is. Not in dealing with the thoughts, but dealing with the thought that I'm the thinker or they're about me. 
I'm the thinker or they're about me is where the lock is opened. Not in dealing with thoughts way down the road of thinking. Yeah? I'm the, are you the thinker? And who is it that's thinking? Yeah. And if you are the thinker and you think you have choice, why not stop thinking? If you feel like you're the king of your domain, stop your heart right now. Decide not to just digest that burrito you just had for dinner and save it for Friday because you don't know if you have the lunch for Friday. So I'll just get to the burrito Friday. So I'll stick it over here. Yeah. Or pump your blood. You make your eyes blue. <laughs> Grow some hair. You need hair. So who's the thinker? Who's having all the thoughts? Because actually the thoughts are having a you, in a sense. That's what they do. The thoughts, seen as I'm the thinker or they're about me, make up, the, it's like the reinforcement of the identification as the thinker, or that you're the object of the thoughts. That's how it's reinforced. That's why my sincere feeling is that in AA, or recovery, they didn't take it far enough. They took it to obsession with self, which is the activity of the conditioned mind that's identified as self. It has to reinforce the identification because it's not a true, it's not a natural coming together. It's a bondage to self. Yeah? So it says, please relieve me of the bondage to self. Well, what is that binding agent to this idea of being a self? The bonding agent is the repetition habit of the thoughts being seen as I'm the thinker of them and they're about me. Literally. If I'm the thinker of them about me will let go. Those thoughts would not orbit around you because you've just taken the planet that those moons are orbiting around. Once you take the planet away, the gravity that's keeping the moons in orbit gets released and the thoughts come and go. Yes? They mean, some, most of them don't even make a, a, they make the tiniest of impression, like a blip on a sonar screen. It's, but then when you think it's about your plane, you follow the screen all day. Is there going to be a crash? Where can, is there tarmac long enough for me to land? Do I like the people I'm carrying? On and on and on and on. But when it's not you, the thoughts come and go. They have, they have very little influence on the way your day goes. <laughs> That's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful effect. That you're being more influenced by something other than thought for even an hour during the day would be unbelievable. You would pay thousands of dollars to go to that vacation. Yeah. But it can become the norm, quote-unquote, in a sense, where the thoughts are still happening, but they're not, that the bonding agent isn't applied because you're not viewing them as, I'm the thinker of these thoughts. Every one of these thoughts I thought, and these bad ones I can't share because they make me bad, and these good ones people think I have too much pride, and these perverse ones I'll save for later when I'm alone and get on the porno on the computer, and blah, 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 and I'd really like to do this to that person, but I can't do And then you get bonded, bonded, you become a storage unit. You have big bins where you got to put the secret ones in, and the perverse ones in, and the bad ones in. You know, and make sure no one sees the bad ones and only the good ones and all da, da And now what? You're preoccupied. Yeah. Dealing with all the thoughts. 
and they have no draw, they cannot impel you to do so unless you think they're about you or you're the thinker of them. I could care less about the thoughts running through your head. Literally. If you come over to me and talk to me five minutes about the thoughts that are running in your head, I'm bored as hell. As, as soon as I see you talk, I can tell where it's coming from. I'm bored. Immediately. What keeps me so interested in this is I believe they're about me. And I'm the thinker of them. Yeah? That's the bonding. The bonding is coming from here and then bonding to the idea of being a self. Self, the idea of being a self cannot bond you. If we ask, like in this room, we do this all the time, which self has defeated you? Everyone would have the same answer. Myself. Yeah. The my is the bonding agent, the act of identifying. Yeah. There's something, let's say, called self. It's not a self, it's selfing. But the, the mental process, the verb of the mind that's selfing, makes up an idea of a self or as an object. Yeah? And you're identified with that. You're bonded to that idea. And when you're bonded to that idea, then thoughts have a huge amount of effect on you because they're seen to be yours or about you. And it's very difficult to break the idea that they're yours or they're about you if you're in the identification of self. That's why you haven't had much, much success wrestling with obsession with self, have you? The thoughts just do whatever they freaking want to do. You, know? you may get the noose looser every once in a while and it tightens up, loose tightens up, but basically you're enslaved or bonded to the idea of being a self. So the idea of being a self is I'm the thinker of those thoughts that are about me, and the reinforcement of that bondage is the obsession. Yeah? I'm not obsessed at all with the thoughts that are happening in Greg's head, but I'm incredibly obsessed with the thoughts that are happening in quote-unquote my head. The my is the reason why I'm so interested in these thoughts, and the theirs is why I'm not interested in his. So I have total freedom from the thoughts in your head, but I don't seem to have much freedom from the thoughts in my head. What's the difference in the thoughts? None whatsoever. The difference is in the my, the identification with it, yeah? So in recovery, because we're such extreme examples of this mental process called selfing, called alcoholism, it's an extreme subdivision, yeah? We're forced to do things. We're, not, we're impelled to do something, to try to get some relief from it. So we do what we call service. And what happens in service? You forget yourself for a little while because you raise someone else, yes? And you make them more interested, interesting than you at that moment, yeah? You're doing service. In other words, you're forgetting all of your preoccupation and you're, attend, you're attending to that other person. And what happens... You will invariably, if you practice it, you will feel a sense of bigness or largeness or lightness because that's what I would call being out of self. You're out of self at that point. Unfortunately, when we, when we leave, what we do, what we go back is the selfing claims the service and now you believe you did the service and then now service becomes another way of beating yourself up. I didn't do enough service. I haven't done, I should do more service. And it, it, whatever the head claims, it will self all over it. 
That's what selfing is. Yeah. But if you don't claim it, just like the peace, if you don't believe you have the peace, you will not entertain losing it. And you will not think about peace. That's actually having peace. You won't think about it. I mean, the thoughts may happen, but there will be no interest in it. Yeah? Because it has nothing to do with you. That's the freedom we're attempting to point out here. If you could just entertain and hold what's being offered here, which is you may not be that which you think you are. There'll, my feeling is, once the interest and attention leaves that object of mind called self, that interest and attention w will allow that sense of presence to become obvious. The sense of presence is available, but it's right now maybe not obvious to you because your mind, your attention and interest is, is totally enslaved to self -in. Yeah. So all you do is you, you, bring up, you make up like a pseudo-presence by thinking about you all day, and that's, that blocks off the sense of the presence that you are. So in, in fact, the presence is your absence. When the idea of being a self is dropped, that's your absence, yes? Self is now absent, that's the presence. There's nothing you need to do to feel the presence, the presence will be felt, because it's, what's causing it not to be felt now is you're trying to feel it. And you're an absence of it. Yeah. When you're preoccupied with the body and Greg as, as who you are, that is the absence of the presence. You believe you're present, and because you're present, what's always present seems absent to you. So then you read books, and you start practicing things, and then you meditate, and you believe that if I could just calm this craziness down, I would experience the presence. But the presence is your absence. In other words, you're never going to be there when it gets really good. <laughs> If you're waiting to get it, you've missed the boat. Yeah? Because that thing that's waiting to get it cannot possibly get it. Because what you're looking for is the absence of what's of what you the you that's looking. That's all it is. And it's not a, it's not a complete absence, it's a moment-to-moment -moment absence. It seems to be present or it seems to be absent. Yeah? The truth is all there is is the absence of you as this. But here, it can seem to be absent, and that's when you're traveling pretty damn light, or it can seem to be present, and that's when you seem to be traveling really heavy. Yeah? When you are here, heaviness ensues, doesn't it? You go over things. Your head represents the day over and over again, and then it doesn't even do that. That's not enough for it. It represents your whole life over and over again, and then it constantly builds like models of what could possibly be. Like 50, 80 different models. Oh, this is, I'll end up and usually if you look at it, most of its models are like, you know, haunted houses and horror shows. They're not like beautiful palaces of light and bliss and peace. You're fucking worried that something bad's going to happen to you. And the funny thing is, you're worrying about something bad's going to happen to you is something bad happening to you. <laughs> You're so afraid that something bad's going to happen to you. That preoccupation is something bad happening to you. <laughs> and we don't even see it. It's mind-boggling, right? 
You don't see it. Oh, I've got to be thinking about what could possibly bad happen to me. But you're totally preoccupied. Yes? Totally out to lunch. That's something bad happening to you. <laughs> so we're attempting to... See, I believe recovery is awesome because it has brought us to the point that we can really entertain. It's not a big leap. If you just follow the information that we, some of us, have been looking at for 20 years, some for a year, some for this year, if you just follow it, it will lead you to the real, real dilemma is you are preoccupied with what you're not. There is no thing called a long-lasting independent separate entity because your whole life demonstrates it. Yeah? Many, many, many times during the day, you're, you're for all intents and purposes, not there. And yet the day continues, doesn't it? So, this head is narrating our life. And it's interpreting what's happening. But it's missing the vitalness of what's happening because it's an interpretation. So, life occurs, there's conscious contact, and then the mind's reaction is what we base our life on. We don't base our life on the conscious contact. We base it on our mind's reaction to it. And so the mind tells us what this means, what just happened. But while it's telling you, something else is happening. So if you're living this narration, you're always living in the past. Because something occurred, there was conscious contact, the mind reacts to it, yes? That conscious contact is now over, the next moment is filled with the interpretation of the previous moment. Yeah? And then, so what happens? The next moment, you're out to lunch, conscious contact, the mind reacts to it, tells you a story about what happened, based on what? The past. And so on and so forth. Yeah? How could it not be? Conscious contact, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. Reaction is, I'm seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. How would a mental process react to conscious contact? It would think, yes? A mental process, thinking, how would it react to conscious contact? Like conscious contact, this gets felt, I have a feeling, yes? A sensation. But what happens is when mental process is conscious of conscious contact, it reacts and it reacts with an interpretation about the conscious contact. And the interpretation is based on it going into memory and going, what does this conscious contact remind me of? It reminds me of that time I did this, or do da da ba 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 And so therefore, the next moment that you are now not conscious of the conscious contact the next mo moment, because you're totally conscious in the mental process's reaction to the past moment. Yeah. It's now interpreting the past moment in this moment. So this moment, I'm not aware of. Now I'm getting an interpretation of that moment. The one that's already gone. And then so on and so forth. It never ends. Yeah? That's why you don't feel fucking satisfied. That's why we're driven to seek. Because we're actually attempting to seek the life we, are, we totally fervently believe we're living. But we're not living it. We're addicted to an interpretation of living it. And that's not living. Yeah. So most of us are on this time delay. That time delay, yes, that's, that's the world of selfing. 
it plays God. So the conscious contact happens, which is called beingness, you know, conscious contact, something's happening and there's a, you're sensing it, and there's the mental process's reaction, and you're taking that to be the whole enchilada. Why? Because it claims the conscious contact. Yeah? That's its first movement. It recognizes the conscious contact and immediately claims it. So when hearing's happening, you think you're hearing, don't you? Seeing, you believe you're seeing. Feeling, you think you're feeling. Tasting, it's you. Jack, that's tasting. Smelling, it's you. Chuck, that's smelling. And that assumption is going unquestioned, going on constantly, unquestioned. So every example of conscious contact is claimed by the mental process and neutered by saying, I'm the one that's in mental, I'm, in the, I'm the one that's in contact. I am this. And that's not true. You're the interface with contact, but you're not what's in contact. Yeah. This is like the glove, and you're in that world that there's only one sense in this whole world, and that sense is touch. And all the time, the only way you can know or have an experience of this world is by touch. Yeah. And without you knowing it, your hand has a glove on it. Let's say that glove is selfing. So now, every time you have a conscious contact in this world where the only contact is sense, is touch, it's being interpreted through a glove. And let's say you have a very thick, coarse glove. So you're feeling something that's really soft, but it doesn't translate. All you have is a concept of what soft is. Yeah? But what soft is isn't really soft. Because you can't experience the softness because it's being interpreted by this coarse glove. Yeah. So let's say the whole spiritual pursuit in this world of senses is to get to that mythical rose garden and feel all the petals of these incredible roses from all around this world of sense. Yeah. So there's spiritual books about it and the great masters of the past talk about the feeling of these petals and unbelievable da 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 and then you're practicing and reading and this and that and you're getting you're buying roses and you're feeling it but you're feeling it with this coarse glove yeah so the only thing you can do you really believe in the scriptures but you don't have the life of it so now it turns into a belief that gets dogmatic because you don't have the experience you don't feel the softness you believe there's a softness, you believe it's true, but you don't feel it. And, you st and that does not equate into traveling light again. You actually get even heavier with the idea of how soft a, petal, a rose petal is. But the point is, if you recognize what's animating that glove is the hand. Yes? The glove is not feeling anything. The glove is what's in between the contact, yes? And what's in contact, the hand. And you're getting the conscious contact interpreted by a glove. The glove has no life of its own. Yeah? It's just covering your life, in a way. The idea of selfing is like that glove. So you, you, not you as this action figure, but what's, I'm indicating something, you, is what is conscious contact. But there's a glove on it. And now you're living your life based on the glove's interpretation. And all you need to do, and it's not, it's even quicker than this, because there is no glove, in a sense, but all you need to do is entertain, I'm not that. Yes? I'm not that. That is how 
like a sword, the hand is taken out of that sheath, and now the conscious contact is the living scripture. You feel the rose petals, yes? You don't need books on it. You don't need to take workshops on it. You have, you have the hit on what it's like, the softness of that petal. Yeah? And you have the ability to recognize truth. You're not, it's very difficult to recognize truth if you're looking at everything from truth and you've cast truth as an object to you. That's not going to work. But you can recognize when it happens. You'll see it. It'll be clear as day. It's like the day I had that, you know, I was sharing it on Monday. You know, for, when I was young, I'd go to this mall, Roosevelt Field in Long Island. You know, it was about 12, 11, 12, and I'd... Uh, I had this really cool outfit, or so I thought, a really cool outfit. I had, like, corduroy pants, and I thought they were red. And I had this great long-sleeve shirt. I mean, you know, a T-shirt with long sleeves. And I'd go to the Roosevelt Field, and I'd hang around the mall and walk through the whole place, and I'd get a lot of notice. It was working, man. People were checking me out all the day, and I'm thinking, far out, man. My hair was getting longer, and I'm just thinking I'm really cool. And there were about three months of this activity, one of my friends had some compassion on me. And he pulled me over to the thing, and I was wearing that outfit, and I looked at myself thousands of times with this outfit on, in a mirror, at my house. You know how we are, right? <laughs> Checking out. And suddenly, there I was, and he said, you know, Paul, that, you know, those pants are magenta, bro. And that gray shirt is pink. Yeah? And as soon as he said that, I saw what I had been calling gray for months, and I had looked at it hundreds and hundreds of times. And the same thing with the pants. As soon as he told me they were gray, uh, they were pink and magenta, I saw them as pink and magenta. And you know what's really strange? They never turned back into gray and red. Yeah? That's exactly what it's like. All we're doing is inviting you. And it may take one time after you've left the mall, thinking you are wearing this really cool outfit called you, this really nice glove that's pink and magenta to have someone finally just say it to you. And then one time, that's all it takes. The mind gets it. And you know what? I took off that shirt, that pink shirt, and I never wore it again. And I also didn't have to go in my closet to reaffirm the message. You know, is it gray, really? Let me go check it out again. No. Once it was delivered, I got it. It's pink and magenta. Bye-bye. That's exactly what we're doing here, in a sense. We keep giving the same message, which is there's nothing you and I need to do. Keep throwing it in there, and one time the lazy Susan of your conditional head will get an open slot. <laughs> and when that open slot goes in there, the light will go on. Yeah? Now, it may be covered again, but as soon as the light goes on, it's a done deal. Because now the mind that has been unconscious to the fact of its own nature has gotten a free sample of it. And there's really no stopping it after that. As soon as the mind starts realizing it can come out of the glove, that's being out of the glove. Yeah? All it needs is to entertain the possibility. And what you and I haven't got in a long time was this possibility. All we got were other methods and other techniques to feel a little better. Yeah? So a lot of people have this attitude they just want life to get better, but just as they are. They want it to get better, 
But they want it to get better just as they are right now. They don't see that just as they are right now is why it is the way it is. <laughs> so, your shirt's pink. Hey, no, yours is gray. keep beating this dead horse with the hopes that one day when we're beating it, you'll realize it's dead, yeah? <laughs> beat that dead horse, beat that dead horse. Why? Well, that's the offer. But if you take this message and formalize it in your head, it's not going to serve you. It may serve you in situations such as when someone calls you on something, you can go, well, there's no me. I, I didn't do that because there's no me to do that. But the, you know, they'll say fuck you and whatever, and then they'll hit the non you and stuff like that. But you know what I mean? Yeah. But when it's when it drops in, and not to the heart. I'm not a believer in the head and the heart, really. I'm a believer in the gut. Yeah? When it drops in the gut, there, there's a possibility of truly being convinced. Yeah. And then the eyes that are busy looking, will see. And if you get enough samples of that scene, you'll realize that all there is is that scene. Yeah. All the while, there was all these way, these activities of looking, there was only seeing, truly. Seeing is like our natural knowingness. Yeah? Seeing is our natural knowingness. If awareness is what we are, then its quality is to be aware. Yes? That's the living knowingness. That awareness, coming through this apparatus, has now... The mind is really tricky in a way, because it can't get rid of the seeing, but what it does, it disguises it as a way of looking. Yeah? So now, you believe, like St. Francis says, what's looking, I, like, let's say, what's seeing is what you are looking for, but the dilemma is, is the way you're looking for it is causing you not to see. Yeah? The seeing can't be dismissed, but it can be covered up and disguised as a way of looking. So in AA, they say, you know, in recovery, they say a new pair of glasses. So most of us here in this room, quote unquote, have suffered from this way of looking in life called self-centeredness, alcoholism. And so what happens is we got into the business of looking and we run into recovery and they offer us a new pair of glasses. Hopefully, to correct the lenses or the distortions of the old way of looking, yeah? But all the while, every way of looking, no matter how good it is, it's still a sense of blindness because the seeing isn't being entertained. You think it's still a you that's looking a different way. The you, that is the blindness to the seeing, is still in place. And now it's finding a new way of looking, yeah? Better than the old way of looking. But if you go this way, instead of putting on another pair of glasses, recovery is a fine pair of glasses. You don't need any more, in a sense. Just look at this way and see that AA, if it's worth its salt, should become obsolete in a sense. Not to participate in it, but for the need for it. Because you can take the glasses off and there's a natural scene. The steps and everything have just facilitated it. We just haven't taken it far far enough, yeah? 
We do not want to take it to the idea of being a self, because that self will claim any pair of glasses you're wearing, and it will neuter the effect that any of those ways of looking can really have on you. Because the real true effect is when there is the realization, I need do nothing, and that's seen. That's seen. That, in fact, I need do nothing. I do not need a solution to an imaginary problem. If I keep applying solutions to an imaginary problem, it causes the imaginary problem to seem real. And the funny thing is, you're actually thinking you're doing something that's actually benefiting you, but in fact, you're bonding. It's the act of being bonded. It's like, I had this thing, uh, I've got some bug in me, candida, yes, or something, some fungus, I don't know what, I may be like a mushroom bomb in there, i got tons of something in there. And so, all the, the, this was this really trippy thing. People say when you have a bad gut, you should eat probiotics, yeah? You know, acidophilus, yogurt, and stuff like that. And so I started eating probiotics because this thing was causing me a lot of uh, disease. And I, and then the more and more probiotics, I got the better and the better. I got the super probiotics, the most expensive probiotics. I took it for years, yes? And then one day I got my shit examined. Yeah. A stool. Yeah. And sent to this place called Smoky Mountain Labs in, in Tennessee. Sounds good, eh? Smoky Mountain. <laughs> And I sent it there. And when they returned the stuff, and now I had been doing these things religiously. I mean, I've been, I was taking probiotics four times a day, this and that. And they, they had the report, and there was absolutely no trace of any probiotics in my digestive system. None. Absolutely zilch. And I had just taken tons the day before. What was happening was, it sounded really well and good if every if I had... If it was the way I thought it was, it would probably have worked. But the fact is, there was some parasite in me that was more dominant that I wasn't aware of. And so every time I gave this lesser power into my system, the greater power just ate it all up. Yeah? So the nasty bacteria just kept eating the beneficial flora like it was like a banquet. Yeah? So I spent thousands of dollars and I got zilch of an effect. Because I wasn't aware that there was something already in place. That's what's happening a lot here. People are practicing and doing a lot of stuff, but they're unaware of the identification as self. That is the root of the problem. Yeah? You're identified as the problem. So no matter how many solutions you bring to it, if you're identified as the problem, the problem will eat those solutions like lunch. And it will actually strengthen the problem. All the while, you'll be thinking you're doing something noble and great. Yeah? So the mind is so cruel in a sense, it will give you a sense that you're getting better. <laughs> because you're spending money on it and all these things you think have value. And the results will be zilch. So be careful. Make, see, see clearly. Seriously. Has something taken you over or not? Are you under the control of a parasite that you're not noticing because you're identified as it? If you are, whatever solution you bring to that, the parasite will override it. And man, it was, it's not so much fun where you've been practicing something for 30 years and it finally dawns on you nothing's actually happened. <laughs> 
like to save you some freaking time. Yeah? So maybe you have your great plan of how to get better. And that's fine. Entertain that plan, but just let's entertain what may be in place that's going to defeat any activity you do based on that formula that you're the doer of it. Yeah? No matter if it's the greatest solution you've ever heard, if the problem entertains the solution, that's a problem. Like it says in the recovery, it says the problem will not exist for you, but that only truly happens as the solution. As the solution, you have that event in life, and the, the event is the problem doesn't exist for you as the solution, but not as the problem. The problem will constantly, persistently exist for you because you're the problem. Yes? If you're thinking alcoholism or this is driving you crazy, it will continually drive you crazy if you're identified as a self. Yeah? Because that isn't the problem. The problem is the identification as a self. So, the problem will not exist for you as the solution. When you see yourself as the solution, which is, I'm not that, the idea of being a self, then immediately you live as if the problem doesn't exist for you. That is the greatest solution of all. It's, a, it's worth the name or the definition of a solution. That it causes the problem not to exist for you. That's called traveling lighter. But you can't travel lighter. The problem will not exist will never not exist for you if it's existing as you. Yeah? Unbeknownst by you. Unbeknownst, you're identified as the problem. In that condition, the problem will constantly exist for you. Even if you get a little bit of relief, it will always be hanging over your head. You won't be able to enjoy peace of mind because you'll expect it not to be there. Yeah? Because the problem... The problem of being identified as self, there is joy and suffering. They're two sides of the same coin. You cannot escape that coin of the realm. If you're identified as self, you are destined to live in split mind, which is there's good and bad, there's close and far. I can be connected and I can also be disconnected. And you will base your connectedness and disconnectedness on what you did or didn't do. Your head will play God with your own nature. It will make your own nature a goal, a faraway goal that maybe will take lifetimes to reach. It will make your own, own nature unreachable to you. If play a little game, you ever see that game when they hide like an Easter egg or something in the yard and they go, okay, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer, you come on, you're getting warmer, hot, hot, and then you get all your hopes up. Oh, I'm on my fourth retreat. Yes, I'm getting much better. And then cold, cold, cold. Oh, and so what happens? You go back and then you sign up for another one. And then your head goes warmer. You're getting warmer. You can meditate now. You're pretty good. You've sat here all day. Warmer. And then it goes cold. It takes your own nature and makes it a little game. How can it possibly do that? How can it possibly do that? It can only hide your own nature if it's already been hidden. And it can only find your nature if, if it's been hidden. This isn't about finding your own nature. It's recognizing that. Yeah? That there's no need to find it. 
It's been ever presently obvious since what? That's the beauty, yes? It's totally taken out of your hands because if it was up to you, it would turn out just like this. You get a feeling that you really like something, but you never taste the fruit. So what the head is, you end up having a it's sort of, sort of like you get an idea that you really like to have that meal, but you take a menu as a substitute. You never get the freaking meal. You've got a great menu. Oh, this is a great spiritual restaurant. Look at this. Kundalini experience, uh, tantric yoga event. Uh, but there's no... It's a menu. So the problem does not exist for you as when you... I like to say this as best I can. The problem does not exist for you. This is a way of traveling as the solution. And the solution to me is I'm not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. I do not have to think of anything I am. All I have to do is tell the truth about what I'm not. That's all I have to do, because I already am that, yes? I already am something. I don't have to say I'm something. All I have to do is say I'm not that. I don't say it. I recognize I'm not that. And then, being this becomes obvious. Yeah? The consciousness isn't captured by the mental process, and the conscious contact all day reaffirms your nature. Yeah. All day, instead of the conscious contact being hijacked by the mental process and used to bind you, yeah, because you're hyper-conscious of thoughts now about you. Yeah. That same energy that's binding you when captured by the mental process is what keeps you constantly free from the bondage of the mental process. Just the obvious fact of being consciously in contact now. What a beautiful reminder. To me, that's love. Love is an ever-present reminder of what you are. And we're here together. I'm telling you, I can feel there's a momentum. Well, I don't want to record this. It's just my